Hello and welcome to this week's episode of When World Views Collide, a weekly radio series on the different disciplines of worldview. My name is Pastor Barbara Holmes Brackett and this week we will be discussing one of the most fascinating and controversial elements of worldview, psychology. Psychology is the study of mental processes and human behavior and it asks the question, what is human nature? This aspect of worldview is very important because it can help us understand who we are, both in a physical and a spiritual sense. Studying thought patterns, brain function, personal habits, and social networks can help explain our actions. Identifying the causes of our behavior allows us to change them, which can improve our quality of life as well as the lives of those around us. Studying psychology can be incredibly useful for day-to-day struggles, like maintaining concentration or processing loss, but it can also help us in unusual situations, like capturing criminals. In short, psychology helps us to understand what it means to be a functional human being. One of the biggest questions that psychology poses is how closely our minds are connected to our bodies. You may may remember this dilemma from our philosophy segment. Misunderstanding our mind-body connection can result in some pretty severe physical and mental consequences. Your brain is made up of millions of cells called neurons that fire chemicals to one another. These chemicals are called neurotransmitters and they are what help your brain communicate with the rest of your body. Everything from lifting your arms to reading a book to listening to the sound of my voice is possible because your neurons are constantly communicating. When our brains stop firing neurotransmitters, we lose function of our bodies and are pronounced brain dead. Scientists believe that those who are brain dead are not able to think anymore because their neurons are no longer communicating. The problem though is that while we can observe our neurons and how they impact our bodies, we cannot observe our thoughts. So there really is no way of knowing how much our bodies, more specifically our brains, control our thinking. This leads us to the mind-body problem. Our thoughts can either be a product of our neural, neural activity or they can exist separately from our bodies. In some ways, psychology goes, does go hand in hand with biology. Our mental state suffers when we are sleepy, hungry, or infected with a virus. So it is important to learn how to properly take care of our bodies. But being a Christian means that you acknowledge that there is a world apart from the one we live in that we cannot see, one that is not bound by the laws of earthly science. That non-physical world is where our soul is. This belief that the mind and the body are two separate things is known as mind-body dualism. And it is the fundamental feature of Christian psychology. The Bible explains in Mark 12:33 and 1 Thessalonians 5:23 that humans have three parts to them, a spirit, a soul, and a body. Your body is the house that your soul and spirit live in, and it is what remains on earth when you die. Your spirit is the part of of you that lives on after your body dies and either goes to heaven or hell. Your soul is what we call your mind, your personality, your beliefs, and your thoughts. This is the part of you that secular psychology wants to pretend doesn't exist. Modern secular psychology is largely rooted in socialistic beliefs. That means that it does not account for non-physical entities like God. That being said, secular psychologists believe in mind-body monism. 
This belief states that the brain is not only where our thoughts reside, but is also what causes those thoughts to exist. Our thought patterns are believed to be nothing more than our neurons firing in a certain way. As such, our thoughts, and therefore our morals and beliefs, can be manipulated through physical means, like medication. Mind-body monism makes the dangerous assumption that our brains are responsible for everything that we say and do. There are a couple of issues with this belief. Neuroscientists have indeed shown us that parts of our brains are linked to our minds to some extent. We have identified that certain parts of the brain help us express various parts of our humanity, like our memories, personalities, and emotion. But mind-body monism violates one of the most important laws of rational psychology. Correlation does not mean causation. In other words, just because our thoughts can be influenced by our brain, like if they are damaged or underdeveloped, does not mean that our thoughts are caused by our brains. Our thoughts cannot simply be the result of our neurons shooting chemicals at each other because our minds are not made up of physical things. If they were, then our abilities to reason, make decisions, or form opinions would all be the result of our neurons communicating. And since neurons can be influenced by things like medication or lack of sleep, then our thoughts would be too. But if our thoughts can be so easily manipulated as secular psychologists suggest, then how could we possibly trust our own thoughts? They would not only be turbulent chemical reactions and nothing more. Perhaps the biggest concern with mind-body monism is that it has no idea why people develop mental illnesses. The American Psych Psychiatric Association defines mental illness as a health condition involving changes in emotion, thinking, or behavior, or a combination of these. Mental illnesses are associated with distress and or problems functioning in social work or family activities. But how does someone become mentally ill? The most popular answers are trauma and genetics. Everyone goes through hardship. It is unfortunately part of being human. We are inherently imperfect, so so we are bound to mess up and hurt others. And because they are imperfect, they will do the same to us. The consequences of that, the trauma, we experience is what many secular psychologists call, say causes mental illness. But loss, drug dependency, divorce, and other similar hardships affects peoples in so many ways. What then causes one person to develop a mental illness from those circumstances while another person in the same situation does not. Secular psychology simply does not know. The other explanation that mental illness is genetic and cannot be helped is extremely dangerous because it promotes a sense of helplessness and futility. This is a lie that socialists spread all of the time. We have no say in what we think or feel and our thoughts and emotions cannot be controlled. Life simply happens to us and then we die. Mental illness is just a part of the process of being born and then dying. This idea is so crippling and it is one of the most despicable things the devil has ever used to destroy us. Our genetics may influence who we are, but they cannot determine who we are. Take for example your body. Your family may have a history of being overweight and your genetics will play a part in that. But does that mean that you throw your hands up and say, I guess I was meant to be overweight? 
Of course not. You are not subject to your genetic predispositions. If you train your muscles and eat well, you can fight against what your family history says you should be. The same thing is true for your mind. No, no matter what has happened in your family in the past, you can be empowered to fight back against it. You have the ability to change your mentality, even if the world tells you that you can't. Socialists need people to be lazy or self-deprecating so they can become more powerful. They thrive off the idea that we are weak and ineffectual, that nothing we do matters, and that we should simply take the cards that life hands us. But this is, not the, this is the furthest thing from the truth. The honest truth can be found in no other place than God's word. And guess what? God's word says that you are more than a conqueror. Because Christian psychology understands a mind-body connection, Christians do not have to live in fear. We know what, we tr what truly causes mental illness, how to prevent it, and how to cure it. And that knowledge uplifts our souls and keeps our minds fresh and healthy. First of all, we are able to control our thoughts. In fact, the Bible commands us to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. We are also told in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we are to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What these verses tell us is that we do, in fact, have power over our minds. Our thoughts are not biological processes that just happen to us. We are in control of them and we are meant to use them to glorify God. Secondly, we know that the cause of mental illness does not begin and end with trauma. Yes, we are designed to respond to events in our lives emotionally. But even when bad things happen to us, we are not meant to be victims. We were not created to suffer. Mental illness, in fact, everything in the world wrong with this world is a result of sin. When we turn from God and disobey his commandments, that is when we fall ill. Our sinful nature is a disease we live with every day, and sometimes that disease feels like it is taking over our minds. But the sickness we feel when guilt and shame overcome us is not irreversible. We know the truth, and the truth is that we can be set free from mental illness through Christ. He gives us the victory. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal, hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Christ promises restoration of mind and body to those who are willing to follow his commandments. Leading a lifestyle that honors him is the only way to fully free yourself from the bondage of sin and sickness. As we close, I want to clarify that while secular psychologists get some things wrong, you should not ignore your doctor or their medical advice. God gave us doctors to help us better understand the bodies he has entrusted to us, and we can better care for ourselves because of them. The important thing to keep in mind, though, is that you should not put all of your trust in imperfect people, even if they are doctors. God is the only one who deserves our complete faith, and the good news is that he, will never, he never fails. Next week on Worldviews Collide, we will discuss 
what it means to ha behave ethically, the difference between right and wrong, and the importance of le leading godly lifestyle. This has been Pastor Barbara Holmes Brackett, and I will see you all next week. Same time, same place. God bless.